I am uh, beginning a new three-week series. It's probably going to go four weeks. And uh, just to let you know, I do have a couple of weeks vacation at the end of the month and the beginning of next month. So a couple of weeks I'm not going to be here because of the vacation. But we have amazing preachers that are going to be preaching, covering for us. People that you know very well and love a lot. So you're going to be you're going to be happy to hear all of that. And uh, so I will be going through this series right now and then down a road after the beginning of next month. And the series is entitled, The Extravagant Love of God. The Extravagant Love of God. Now, I did that on purpose because we just talked about heaven. And for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, we have a confidence that we're going to be with God forever in heaven. He loves us that much. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I don't know if you think you do, but I know I don't. But God is going to send me there because of what his son did for me and what he's done for you. So consequently, we're going to heaven. That's a lot of love that God did so that we would be with him forever in heaven. So we're going to talk about that and uh, the extravagant love of God. And today's message is, is that his, his love will change your life. His love will change your life. And I believe that would be literally. So God, I ask you to bless your word today. Speak to us, I ask in Jesus' name. I believe, I believe that God is looking to encourage each and every one of us and to give us a personal word. I believe with what this series is going to be dealing with, and in particular with today, I believe that God is going to whisper to some of you. I believe he's going to say something to you, because I believe, I believe that Jesus came into this world to tell every single person on the planet that he loves you, that he loves you. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not against you. He's for you. And Jesus came into this world to tell every one of us that he loves every one of us. I, got, I have an Old Testament and a New Testament scripture to prove these couple of opening marks, remarks that I'm saying. It says in Jeremiah 31.3, it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I, I have continued my faithfulness to you. In the New Testament, one we all know, just about all of us know, it would be found in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So the scripture says over and over that God loves us. God loves you. God loves me. He loves every one of us. I also believe that Jesus came into this world. Listen to this. He came into this world to change the hearts and the lives and, listen, and the trajectory of every, single, of every single individual people on this planet because he loves you and he loves me. Let me give you two scriptures, an Old Testament, New Testament, to, to verify this scripturally. And it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Listen, to give you a future and a hope is what the scriptures declare. The New Testament scripture that I'm using is found in John 10, 10. Um, the, thief comes not only, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you would have life abundantly. Listen to me. God has a plan for each and every one of you. He loves you. He loves you. And he has a plan for your life. It's not something that you should just be taking lightly. This is something that I believe that we should pursue. And I'm hoping that some of us will pursue as a result of this, this message today. God has a plan for every one of us. I also believe that God not only wants to change our lives and change our hearts and has a trajectory for our lives, but I also believe that God speaks to us. I believe that God speaks to us. He speaks to you. He speaks to me. I believe that God speaks to us. I believe that he speaks to us through his word. As you open up the Bible, the word of God, it would begin to speak to you. It would begin to show you, encourage you, challenge you. The word of God. We also believe here that, that he speaks to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God is living inside of us. And he would speak to us. And, and he would speak in, to us. I also believe that he speaks to us in our dreams. 
Mm -hmm. The dreams. I believe that God would speak to us in our dreams because God has a dream for every single person on the planet. He has a dream for every single person on the planet. And God, my friend, has a dream for you. God has a dream for you. Your name on that dream that God has for you. Now, I know that when I say something like this, that probably a lot of us sometimes would just immediately begin to think, you know, that, that if, if, God, if, if, if our dream isn't massive, if it isn't as great and amazing like Bill Gates' dream or, or like uh, Steve Jobs' dream or, or Dr. Martin Luther King's dreams, you know, if, if it's not like that, then I'm assuming that it really doesn't count. I'm assuming that it really won't matter. That, that would be a thought that we would deal with. But listen, whatever dream God puts in your heart, whatever he does, whatever he whispers to you, whatever dream he would put in your heart or in your mind, it's there for a reason. And he gives it to you for a purpose. And it matters to God. That dream that God gives you and gives me, it matters to God so that his will will be done in you while you're here on this earth. Let me just take a time out right here and stop for just a second and tell you about our life path number two, step number two that we are taking today. Our life path number two is called discover your design. In other words, you are learning, you are seeing something that God wants to do within you. So in discovering your design, this is a step. This step is, is a workshop kind of thing where you're going to be taking a personality profile. You're also going to be taking a spiritual gifts profile. And those two profiles are going to help you to discover who you really are. Your unique design. So as you come... You can come, if, if you're thinking about becoming a member at Word of Life, you are welcome to come, as it was already announced earlier. We're having a meeting at three o'clock today out there in the lobby. Um, it, it will be about an hour long. There's no childcare, but we ask you to come out, and we believe that for those of us who go through this particular step number two, discovering your design, that uh, you're going to see how God has wired you. Going through the personality profile as well as the gifting, you're going to see how God has wired you and, and uh, how you are going to be able to have a great impact in the lives of other people. So if you're thinking about it, you can come today. You didn't go to number one or you did go to number three, whatever. Um, you can come today. If you haven't been there yet, we would welcome you to come today. So we encourage you to do that. So whatever dream God has put in your heart and your mind, and I trust all of us have a dream within us, is for a reason and it's a purpose and it matters to God so that, that his will will be done in our lives, in your life and in my life. So if you're a young person today and uh, you're graduating, maybe you just graduated from high school, congratulations, we're thrilled for you. Or maybe you're someone who has just graduated from college. You know, you have, you have a dream, you have a dream, so you've graduated. Uh, maybe you're uh, someone who's going into the military <coughs> to pursue, possibly pursue ministry, to fulfill the call that God has on your life. Or maybe there are those of us who are facing maybe a, a decision for career. We have a dream to move in a, in a business kind of world and, and have that dream to be fulfilled in our lives. Listen, there is a place that God is looking to take you. I don't know exactly where it is, and only, the only way you're going to know where your path would be and where God wants to take you is if you would seek God for that. Maybe you're a mother and a father that are here today, and you have a dream for your children. You better have a dream for your children. They're your kids. They're your responsibility. So I realize that you have responsibility up to a certain age. It, does, it doesn't, it's not the same once they become adults, but still, while they're under your care, you pour your life into your kids. You pour your life into your kids. Those things of value, those things that mean 
things to you. Of course, you would, you would uh, also pour into them God's love and God's grace and hope and mercy into your kids. They need that. They need that from you. They expect me to be that way, but they don't always expect mom and dad or brothers and sisters to be that way. But God wants, wants that to be a part of their lives. It's a good thing that they would have inside of them. Maybe there would also be morals that you would pour into them, integrity and respect, honor and leadership. Our kids need this. And you as mom and dad, that's your responsibility. Even my adult kids, all of my kids are now adults, have 15 grandchildren. And uh, so I still want to speak into my kids' life. I don't care how old they are, and they know I'm gonna do it no matter what they say. And they're not here today. Or other words, they'd probably stand up and say something. But anyhow... These dreams are good dreams. This is a good thing that God is doing to us. This is something that God wants for every one of us. A godly dream that God puts into your life. It's the trajectory of your life where God is looking to take you now. This is where God is looking to take your life now to do something great for his kingdom. And that dream would be likened to a light that just seems to come on. All of a sudden you see something, you hear something. All of a sudden there's this light that, that comes on and it gives you vision and it gives you dream and possibility, possibilities. And you see something that's ahead in your life. It inspires you, it fires you up having this dream, having this thought. There are different times and seasons that God would give you visions, that God would give you dreams and direction. The dream drives you. It affects how you think. Your dream drives you, and it affects how you think, your plans for your future. It impacts how you're going to live out that dream that God has given for your life. You, you're just challenged with that. It's a good challenge. It's something that you're looking for. Every dream comes with a price and with a challenge, and some dreams come with a strange path that we have to walk on in order to fulfill the dream. Let me say that again. Some dreams come with a strange path that we need to walk on in order to fulfill the dream that God has for us. And that's exactly what happened with Joseph. That's exactly what Joseph went through. In Genesis chapter 37, we're talking about Joseph, not Mary and Joseph, but we're talking about Joseph in the Old Testament. So go with me to the book of Genesis, if you would. We are having everything projected on the screen behind me, so if you don't have a Bible or whatever, you can still follow along. But we are talking about Joseph here. Joseph had a dream that was from God that set the trajectory of his life. It distinguished Joseph. It was specific for incredible reasons and the plans of God that would, would have impact on him and his family and every generation that would follow him. And in fact, it even impacts us here today in this place. And that particular path that Joseph was on to fulfill uh, that dream uh, when we face those things, we face often, we face difficult obstacles. Let me say that again. Joseph was on that path to fulfill the dream that God had for him, but yet he faced difficult obstacles, difficult obstacles. Now I'm gonna say probably and more than likely, probably all of us here have had a dream to fulfill that we would want to chase after, and yet you face difficult and challenging um, uh, situations in that dream that you were looking to fulfill. Let me explain something like this. Maybe I can explain it better by a personal story. In, in 1987, I felt the Lord speak to me that I was to go to West Point, that, that uh, I, I was to, to be a chaplain at West Point. And in fact, it would be in the fall of 1987 is when God spoke to me. In fact, I woke up in the early morning hours of Sunday, that particular Sunday in, in, in the, uh, 1987, that I knew that I was supposed to go. I woke, woke up weeping and all that stuff. And so there was, it, was, it was obvious to me that God was speaking to me. So when I got to West Point, got there in November, November 1st in 
1987, when I got there, one of my first desires was to get to know some of the pastors and leaders within the community. I came to plant a church in Highland Falls, New York, which is at the gate of West Point, as well as to be a chaplain, the Assemblies of God chaplain at, at West Point. And so um, I wanted to meet all the pastors and all the different people. Now, mind you, God's given me a vision. I'm moving forward with a vision. I'm taking the steps that I need to take. So I want to just meet people, uh, pastors in particular. So I knocked on the door of a Presbyterian church. In fact, it was this parsonage. And uh, he opened the door, an old Koch kind of guy and uh, grumpy old man. And uh, I said, my name is Randy Chiz. I'm a new pastor here in Highland Falls, planning a church. And, uh, and I'm also chaplain at West Point. And I said, I just wanted to meet you, sir. I wanted to introduce myself and meet you. And here's what he said to me. He said, we don't want you here and don't ever come to my house again. And he shut the door and walked away. I think I mentioned here just a few moments ago that some dreams come with a strange path that we have to walk on for God to fulfill that dream. It was a tough one. It was just the beginning. I visited that kind of thing a lot. By the way, that Presbyterian minister was arrested and put in prison for being a pedophile. I want to talk quickly to cover four Ps, four Ps, four Ps, which are the obstacles that were on Joseph's path to fulfillment of his dream. His strange path began with the first P, and it was called the pit, the pit. Joseph, in case you don't know, is the youngest of 11 sons given to Jacob. His 10 sons, his, excuse me, his 10 brothers hated him, hated him, literally hated him, because Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. Robe of many colors is what was given to him. Many of you know that little portion of the story. So go with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. Let me just reiterate what I just said to you. Now Joseph loved, now excuse me, now a, a Jacob, who is Israel. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was a son born of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. He made him a robe of many colors. Then Joseph, of course, has a dream. He has a dream that comes from God, that he would rule over his family and he would be a great leader. And of course, the problem with that particular dream and the problem with the way that, that Joseph presented that, that dream was the thing that broke the straw of the camel's back. That, that was the straw that broke the camel's back is what I mean. So go with me in some different scriptures here. Found in Genesis 37, they'll be projected as, as I'm reading them. It says this, it says, Verse three, no, excuse me, verse five, and it says, now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Verse 18, and they saw him from afar, and, and uh, when, when they saw him from afar, and, and before they came near to, let me start that one again. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him in a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Poor Joseph. Knock on the door. My name is Randy Chiz, new pastor, chaplain. I just want to meet you. Don't ever come here again. Don't ever talk to me again. Slam the door and walk away. Joseph literally gets a dream from God. And God sends him to do what he had done. And now Joseph, Joseph has been thrown into a pit. Have you ever had a day when the bottom just seems to fall out from underneath you? You know, when all 
H-E double hockey sticks seems to break loose. That's what's going on in this guy's life right now. And especially when it seems to surround your vision and your dream, which God has given you. The problem with the pit is nobody plans for the pit. When, when we have a vision, when God speaks to us, we're not thinking about a possibility of having a pit come, up into, come into our lives. Listen, the trajectory obstacles don't make appointments, they just happen. Let me say it again. Trajectory obstacles don't make appointments, they just happen. God has a trajectory for our lives. And you just, you find out that there's going to be pits that are gonna be taking place. There will be those things. And it happens in a couple of ways. Sometimes the pit just sort of, just sort of happens. It's like life, it just sort of happens where circumstances bring us down into the pit. Or, or the pit uh, comes about as a result of poor decisions that we make, things that we do. Same with, with Joseph, with how he told his brothers and the way he made this whole approach. It, sometimes it just, it, it leads us to the pit. Rarely is a pit 100% of another person's doing. Hardly ever. So let me give you some thought. <clears throat> you planned for a great marriage, but you didn't plan, you didn't plan on the divorce. And now you're in a pit. Or, or you planned for having babies, but you didn't plan, you didn't plan on the miscarriage. And now your world is rocked as a result of that. You, you planned on the promotion, but you didn't plan on the layoff. And now you're in the pit again. Or, or you planned for a life, a long life that you would live, but you didn't plan on the doctor's report last Tuesday who says your cancer is very serious and you've only got six months. You weren't planning on that. That was the pit that happened to you. Joseph was, was planning on being a strong leader. He didn't plan on being stripped of his robe and be thrown into a pit. But listen, listen. Being in a pit can stir some really strong emotions. Really strong emotions. For example, doubt. If you're, if you're in the pit right now, if you're dealing with something, I'm sure you're dealing with doubt because that's probably what Joseph was dealing with. I'm sure he was doubting the fact that this dream that he had would never come to pass. Me, a leader, I'm in a pit. I'm in a pit. Or, or another emotion would be loneliness. Of course, he's all alone now. He's all alone in this pit. And his brothers are eating and drinking, have no concern about him. He's down in a hole here, not very far from them. And they have no concern about him whatsoever. And of course, Joseph has no clue at this point what... What's next? What's going to happen next? Which would inspire, I, I feel that it would inspire fear. Fear would be on top of him. Now, if you've been in a pit, I'm sure you could relate to these three things that happen to people who end up in a pit. This much he knows, though. Things have never, have never been uh, rapidly changing as they are right now for this 17-year-old boy. And if you're here, and again, and you're right in the pit now yourself, I want to let you know, and you're feeling alone, I want to encourage you and let you know, you're not alone, my friend. You're not alone. We've all been in the pit. We, maybe many of us are in the pit right now. I don't know. You don't need to tell me whether you are or not. But we want to let you know above everything that God is with you. God is with you. God was with Joseph when he was in the pit. God is with you right now. And in fact, you're at the right place at the right time because somebody in your row in front of you or behind you, to your right or to your left, however you may be, more than likely, more than likely, they have been in the pit themselves and they understand what you're going through. It could be someone that you need to connect with and just sort of unload and let them know, hey man, this is what I'm dealing with, this is what I'm facing and that they would know what, what is happening. 
We are not created by God to do life alone, just so you know. We need one another. And that's why, again, this coming fall, I know we're dealing with our summer life groups right now, but this coming fall in September, we're gonna be presenting to you our summer life groups. And uh, we want to encourage every one of you to be a part of that. Our fall semester is going to be great. And uh, what we do is end up having small groups. We gather together in homes, different locations, and uh, we, we do life together. We do life together. Because Word of Life believes that we are to be connected and to do life together. So your small group is going to help you walk through these kind of things that you and I go through. You will not be alone. You will not be alone with us here at Word of Life. So get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. When we do groups, it's for a good, good reason. And we challenge you to do that and look forward to that fall semester. So if you're dealing with doubt, if right now you're dealing with doubt because you're in the pit, don't ever doubt in the dark what God has declared to you in the light. Let me say it again. Don't ever doubt in the dark what God has declared for you in the light. Give me an amen if you would. Joseph's strange path. Every dream has a, has a price. Point number two, the pickle. The pickle. The pit, now the pickle. The pickle. Pickle means predicament or problem, by the way. So Joseph's, Joseph's brothers decided not to kill him, but instead they decided that they were going to sell him. So some Midianites come along and, and uh, they sold their brother to slave traders for some 20 shekels of silver. Go with me to Genesis ch uh, chapter 39, verse 1. Genesis 39, verse 1, and it says, Now Joseph had been, uh, been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from, his, uh, from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there, um, down there to them. Um, so Joseph goes from the pit to a pickle on a strange path that is now causing him to be a slave. He has now become a slave. So this 17-year-old boy they're assuming he's somewhere around that age of 17 years old. This 17-year-old boy is shackled and is now sold as a slave. And you understand that the life of a slave, slave, he has no idea at all what's in store for him. What's the next thing that's going to happen to him? And what I love and respect about this, this young teenager, this young man, was his attitude. His attitude was something like this. This is my situation that, that I, I have in my life right now, and I need to make the best of it. And that's exactly what he did. Every, every obstacle that he faced, everything that he went through, he had an attitude that he's going to make the best of every situation. Go with me to Genesis chapter, chapter uh, uh, 39, verses 2 through 6. This is when it starts to get a little bit juicy. I like this part. Here we go. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was, uh, uh, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he had done to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in, in his sight and, he had, and attended him and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Verse five, and from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. I say it again, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for J Jacob's sake. Uh, the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and in his field. So he left all that he had, um, all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he would eat. That's the only thing that Potiphar had to worry about was what am I going to eat? That was it. I don't know. I thought that was funny. Um, but look at the last part of that verse, and it says this. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Joseph was handsome in form 
and in appearance. What a breakthrough. What a breakthrough. Finally, things are beginning to go my way is what Joseph is probably thinking. And it says here that Joseph was handsome in form and in, in his appearance. And then comes along Potiphar, Potiphar's wife. And uh, if you've ever heard some of these series that I've done in the past, I don't call her Potiphar's wife. I call her Hotifer. H-O-T, capital H-O-T, Hotifer, who took notice of Joseph. She wanted that slave boy really, really bad. Actually, time after time, Hotifer would say to him, lie with me. Just lie with me. Lie with me. And Joseph, who's 20, 22 years old at this particular time in his story of life, I, I'm, I'm assuming, I am sure, because I'm a man, that his hormones are going bonkers. And here is this unbelievably beautiful woman that is making this temptation to be very, very real. Now, Potiphar is, is a high-ranking officer, and I would guess that Potiphar is probably, probably about a number 10 as far as being beautiful. And uh, she would say to him every time she would see him, just lie with me. Lie with me, just lie with me. And this temptation was real. It was real for, um, for this young man to be dealing with. So go with me to uh, chapter 39, verses 8 through 10. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in, this, in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater uh, he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, Miss Hotifer, except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she, and as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. What? a young man of God. What a powerful young man of God. So Joseph refused. Yeah, come on, let's do that. I know we have some of them right here in our room with us now. We love you. We respect you. Joseph refused to give up what, what he wanted most for what he could have in the moment. Let me say it again. Joseph refused to give up what he wanted most, what he wanted most for what he could have in the moment. It's right here, it's right there where a lot of believers and a lot of followers, they never make it to where it is that God wants them to be because they settle and they give up the pursuit for something of the moment. It just shows up. She just shows up. He just so happens to show up. Whatever those, those situations are, so many people just walk away from what it is that God has in store. You see, my friend, there's a very spiritual warfare, very spiritual battle that's going on between God our heavenly father who loves us and the devil of hell who hates us. That's a very real battle. And the Bible says that God, God has good thoughts toward each and every one of us to give us a future and a hope. But the devil, he's wicked, he's vile. The devil wants you and me to lose out with God and certainly to lose out with heaven, just as he himself has, because he's a loser. Say he's a loser. Would you say that with me? He's a loser. The devil is nothing but a loser. So for a huge majority of all of us believers, all of us as believers, there are two temptations that top the, the list for us. Those, two top those top two temptations that we deal with continuously as even followers of Jesus is money and sex. Sex and money. Money and sex. Sex and money. It's just one of those things. And my friend, you need to, and I need to, you need to identify your weakest link in your life. You've got to identify that because the enemy's going to use that against you. He'll do everything he can so that you don't have your life to be changed by the power of God, which is what he's doing in Joseph's life. 
right now. So Joseph is 20-something years old. He looked at what Hotifer, what Hotifer did, and he rejected her offer. Over and over again, he rejected her offer. So Joseph went to the house to do his chores like he normally would. No one else is there, so he thinks. And all of a sudden, Hotifer grabs a hold of Joseph's garment and says, lie with me, lie with me. But Joseph ran, the Bible says. Hotifer kept Joseph's garment, and she told Potiphar, she told Potiphar that uh, what, what, the, uh, what Joseph had done, it was a lie, of course, told him the lie, and the Hebrew, that the Hebrew had sexually molested her, which takes us to point number three, the prison. The third point is to prison. Joseph's strange path, his dream that God gave him, goes from the pit to the pickle to now the prison. A little caveat that I want to take here just for a moment, a side note is, is that uh, I assume, I think most of us would assume that Potiphar had the authority to kill Joseph over this charge that was brought against him from, from Potiphar. I, I, I'm assuming that he could do that. But not only did he not kill him, not only did Potiphar not kill Joseph for supposedly uh, assaulting his wife, but he also had him put in the king's prison. The king's prison is an upgrade. It's not the worst place that you could be. It's probably one of the better places that Joseph could be. And I, I have a thought, I may be wrong, but I think, I think Potiphar didn't really believe what his wife said because he knew that this man was a man of integrity. He really did know that. And that's why he did what he did. So go with me to Genesis chapter uh, 39. Again, we'll, go, we'll begin at verse uh, 30 through 23. 20 through 23. I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong numbers. And Joseph took his, and Joseph's master took him and put him in the, into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there, and he was there in prison. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him his steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was, that was in Joseph's charge because, listen to this, the Lord was with him. He knew that the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to succeed. The Lord made it to succeed. So Joseph continued to be that, to be that, that man of God that God had called him to be, even though, even though it seemed like God had abandoned him. He continued to move forward with his integrity. Joseph will now be in this prison for about three to five years is what he's going to be. In my humble opinion about Joseph, I, I believe his path, the path that he was on, some of you may not like what I'm gonna say right now, but I really believe this with my heart. I believe that God allowed and even caused, I believe that God allowed and even caused the strange path that Joseph was on for specific reasons. So you know, Joseph is going to end up being number two, the number two leader of the entire nation of Egypt in a little while here, in just a few years down the road, and uh, the most powerful nation of the world. And you just don't walk into a job like that and have the success that Joseph had as number two to the most important, powerful nation of the, on the planet at that time without some kind of schooling, without some kind of education, without some kind of street sense so that he could actually be number two in Egypt. There's a reason for all of this. There's something going on. So let's talk about these things really quick. Number one is the pit. The pit, of course, is filled with all kinds of emotions in the pit. If you're going to be in the pit, uh, excuse me, if you're going to be the number two of Egypt, 
as a powerful leader, as a powerful leader, what two or three emotions do politicians no, uh, uh, deal with regularly? What do they normally deal with? And no, not guilt and shame is the answer. That's not the answer. The answer is loneliness and doubt and even fear is what so many leaders, they deal with on a regular basis. Number two, the pickle. The pickle, uh, Joseph, a, a slave at Potiphar's house. Potiphar is the captain of the guards the, of the Egyptian army. So for years, Joseph would, would gain wisdom and understanding just by listening to Potiphar, listening to what he would talk about and understand. And for years, he would also gain wisdom as he would learn to listen <clears throat> to the generals and the captains and the lieutenants, lieutenant, lieutenants who, uh, that was ultimately for Joseph in his future leadership. God had a plan in all of this. God has a plan for every one of you. Whatever God has begun in you, he's going to complete it. He has a plan for your life. Come on, give me an amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. He has a plan for our life. He really does. Now, Joseph is in prison, and this was a political prison, and God has uh, Joseph in the place where he wants him because he, he needs to learn. So he, he's, he's going to uh, learn how to talk to Pharaoh. He's going to learn how to deal with political structure. He's going to learn on, about economics and about governing. And all of this is going to be about a five to seven year curve that he's going, a learning curve that he's going to be dealing with. One of my favorite verses is found in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God who, and who are called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Because... When we go through these things, we begin to just doubt. We begin to walk away from what God promises us in his word. And we need to believe him. We need to trust in him. So maybe, maybe uh, the truth of the matter is, maybe God wasn't punishing Joseph for anything that he had done. But maybe he was preparing him. Joseph continued. He would continue to live as a man of God. And Joseph found favor with, the prison, with uh, prisoners as well. And, uh, and he, was, uh, he was the keeper of the prison. He was in charge of the prison. So Joseph was in charge of all the prisons, and soon Pharaoh's cupbearer, Pharaoh's cupbearer, his cupbearer, he's thrown into prison. He did something wrong, he's thrown into prison. And he has this wild dream while he's in prison, and he goes to Joseph, and Joseph begins to interpret the dream that he had, and when he's done interpreting the dream, he says to the cupbearer, you're going to be released in three days, and when you're released, I don't want you to forget me. I want you to tell everybody you know that I'm here, because nobody knows that I'm here, and I'm in this prison for a long time, and I want to get out. So I want you to tell somebody that I'm here. Guess what? The cupbearer did not tell him. <laughs> did not tell him. I shouldn't be laughing because I'm sure I'm going to go through some similar things. But Joseph, Joseph um, said to him, just remember me. Two years go by. Two years goes, goes by and there was nothing for Joseph. And suddenly Pharaoh himself has a dream. He has a dream. And nobody can interpret the dream for Pharaoh. The cupbearer cup now begins to remember what took place with Joseph. And he goes to the Pharaoh and he says to the Pharaoh, he says, he says there is a young Hebrew and, and, and uh, I had a dream myself and he interpreted my dream. Pharaoh, maybe he can interpret your dream as well. So of course, the next thing that you know, the guards are now trying to find Joseph, the young Hebrew man. They were to find him and to make sure that he had a shower, had shaved, and he was dressed properly. So Joseph stands before the most powerful man in all of the world and Pharaoh says to Joseph from his throne, he says, young man, I have heard that God is with you and that you can interpret dreams. And then Pharaoh begins to tell his dream to, to Joseph. And then Joseph, who was led by the Spirit of God to interpret and to discern all that would be taking place, Joseph tells this to Pharaoh. 
For the next seven years, for the next seven years, it will be, it will be a bountiful harvest for you. In other words, these will be the years, those seven years of plenty that you're going to be living in. There will be so much that you won't know what to do with all. But however, however, the following seven years, the following seven years, there will be a famine and it will destroy and perhaps even wreck the economy of Egypt and the whole world. So Pharaoh, you need, this is Joseph talking to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh, you need to find someone else, someone who's, who's uh, really a strong administrator and that can put a guy in charge of all that needs to be done for this whole project. And Joseph would begin to break it down to Pharaoh. He would begin to break down some of his thoughts and ideas. Again, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says to them that you are, you are to build uh, uh, silos everywhere, grain silos everywhere. You are to tax the people 20% of all their grain. And you are to save the grain to be distributed for the last seven years, the last seven years when the famine hits. And listen to this. Go with me. This is incredible. Genesis Chapter uh, 41, verses 37 through 46. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom the spirit is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and as wise as you are. You shall be over my house. This is Pharaoh. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you, have com as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. Only as regards to the throne, the Pharaoh says, will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring and put it on his hand and put, uh, put, uh, uh, and put it on Joseph. Took it from his hand, put it on Joseph's hand and uh, clothed him with garments and fine linen, put gold chain around his neck. And he made him to ride his second chariot. And they all called before him and would say, bow the knee, bow the knee, bow the knee. Thus they would set over. Thus he would set over the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh and without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or a foot in all of the land of Egypt. Did you hear that? I say it again, I am Pharaoh and without your consent, Joseph, who was in a pit, without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or a foot in all of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's, wife's, Joseph's wife a real funny name and gave him in marriage to a senior. You try to say that name. I'm not going to stand up before you and make a fool of myself. The daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old, 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh king of Egypt. And Joseph went out of the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. Went through all the land of Egypt, which takes us to our last and final point. And we could have our worship team, please come on out right out. Come on out right now. I'm going to make it quick. And that is number four is the palace. The palace was the last P that he dealt with. What a strange path that God led Joseph on all the way to the promise that he had made and he had realized. In verse 41, it says there, not in your notes, but in verse 41, it says there, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. This is what God had done. This is God's plan. This was God's plan for Joseph. Secondly, in verse 42, he says, Pharaoh took the signet ring and placed it on his hand and put it on Joseph. Listen to this. He clothed Joseph with garments and that were fitting of a king. They even changed out that, that robe of many colors that he received. This was even by far better and greater. 
They put a gold chain around his neck and he would ride in the second chariot. Pharaoh would only be the one in the first, but he would ride in the second chariot. And you know, you know that Joseph is thinking these thoughts. God, you do keep your promises. You do keep your promises, God. You do. And you work it out every time if we would just trust you. If we would just believe you with what you say within your word, God would do that. You need to know, the Bible tells us that God loved Joseph all of his life. He had this love for Joseph. He just loved him, this young man who was so determined to do what's right before God. Don't worry just about what's right before people. Worry more about what's right before God because he'll keep you right before people if you're right before God. The Bible says that he, he loved Joseph his whole life. And he, Joseph and God was preparing Joseph for even greater things that would take, take uh, beyond his imagination. And it changed his life. Would you stand with me to your feet, please? Just stand with me to your feet. I personally believe that God has a dream for you. I really do. We are having our intercessors come down right now, and we're going to do our last song here in just a minute. And when we do our last song, um, you're invited to come down and let these men and women who have been seeking God for the last hour while we're in here to pray for you, for your need. You don't have to go into any great detail about your need. You, you can just have them pray for you, and they will. And so we're going to do our last song, and I'm going to ask you to please just worship God. Don't leave yet. We're going to leave you out of here in about three minutes or less. So I just want to challenge you that while we're worshiping this song, that you would realize that God has this extravagant love for you. He really does. He has a plan for every one of us, and his, his love for you is going to change your life. If you would just let him, he'll change your life. So if we could do our first song, go ahead and do our last and final song.